0: Last little while, I've been trying to share with you some of what I see in the Word of God related to leadership about churches, what the church should be doing, how to raise up leaders, what leaders should be doing, and I felt that I should just do a little bit, uh, a couple of sessions possibly on um, why we meet together, what should be happening in our meetings to some degree. I can't cover it all fully, but uh, I want to just uh, help us to just have a look again and see if we somehow drifted a little from what should be happening possibly in our meetings. So I want to start by reading uh, in in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, just a few verses there. And if you've got your Bibles, I trust that you'll take them and read them with me. But it says this of those that uh, were saved, the, the Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The outcome of that was and the lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved and then i would would like you just to have a look at um, 1 corinthians chapter 11 where paul says that your meetings do more harm than good and he then begins to talk about uh bible meetings what should take place in the meetings through the uh, 1 corinthians 11 12 13 14 and a little part of chapter 15 and i just want to highlight another one verse in that, uh, that portion and that's the 26th verse of 1 corinthians 14 when he says how is it then when you come together bre- together brethren all of you has and then he shares with us uh, uh, certain things like hymns and songs etc and then he says all of these things should be done unto edification so we get some idea there of something of what god wants to happen in the life of the church Uh, His people, the body of Christ. Now, during my so-called pastoring years, when I was pastoring churches, I, I, I tried from time to time, to the best of my memory, to preach once every 12 to 18 months about why we are actually having our meetings, just to try and help people to refocus and not have lost the reason for why we meet. I uh, found that all the information that was bombarding them, the problems they're facing in life, some of the frustrations, uh, they, they take their effect on the Christian's heart and mind and they affect them badly. Uh, it's like what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, when he says that the God of this world or this age has blinded their minds and that even begins to affect Christians to some degree or the, uh, the, uh, as well, you know, their thinking and their attitudes not only of the, uh, the sinners, but even of believers. We slowly forget the real reason, the true, authentic reason for meeting together. And instead of it all being about Jesus, slowly but surely, not deliberately, that's just, uh, I don't believe any of us deliberately do this, but slowly but surely, it moves from it all about Jesus to it becoming all about us. And people get frustrated and so often leave the church because they think that the meeting should be all about them. So we need to have, as Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, we need to have our minds transformed by the Word of God with the power of the Holy Spirit in in that. And we need to bring every thought into captivity to Christ, as 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 uh, encourage us to do. So let me try to just answer a little bit this morning. And then we'll have a second session and see if we can cover a little bit more. I think the first thing I would say that why God wants us to meet together is because he wants us to encounter Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the central factor. He's the king of the kingdom. And God wants us to encounter him in a great and real uh, life transforming way every time we, we meet together. That's part and parcel of why we're there together. And in that encountering with him, we will have our minds renewed, we'll have our some of our hurts healed, our, our bodies can be healed, uh, we can be adjusted by him, be set free, because remember he said, the anointing is now upon me, and he's anointed me to set the captives free and to do a whole lot of other beautiful things that we see up in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, and in Isaiah chapter 60, uh, if you you'll read those things for yourself. And then secondly just remember this that the holy spirit will always bring glory to jesus and jesus ultimately glorifies the father so when we encounter jesus it's by the holy spirit helping us to encounter him as the holy spirit glorifies jesus and then jesus ultimately will glorify the father so we'll understand the father's heart more and more and more as we encounter jesus secondly we we we, we, God's part of what God has recorded in the Word of God for us to understand is that we hold meet when we have our meetings, uh, part of that is to, to, to truly, honestly worship Him. God desires honest, true worship. John 4 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's got to be truth about our worship and it's got to be from our spirits by the Holy Spirit that we worship God. A major part of the togetherness life of of God's people in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament is true, honest worship. Every part of our meetings, now I want you to hear this please, every part of our meetings needs to bring worship and praise to God that would include welcoming people that would include all the music and the musicians that they're there to bring glory to God Uh, the singers our preaching the fellowship of whatever takes place in our meetings all of that should be designed with this in our hearts and minds to bring worship to God Every part of it, even the breaking of bread, communion, whatever it may be, which I hope we can come back to in a few minutes. The word worship is used 95 times in the Word of God. That's the word worship. The word worshipped is used 67 times in the Word of God. Worshipper is used twice. Worshippers, five times. Worshipping five times, that's a total of 174 times minimum that worship is mentioned in the Scriptures. And almost all of that worship relates to worshipping God, who alone is worthy of all of our worship. You see, worship has to also be understood to be an attitude of the heart, an expression of the heart through uh, through physical terms, uh, all those physical expressions. Matthew 22, 37 7 says this, you shall worship the Lord your God <clears throat> with all your heart, your soul, your mind, etc. So it involves the totality of my whole being. In Isaiah 29, verse 13, now, there's a tragic verse there that says this, that people worship, their worship of me is made up of rules taught by men. So that even in our singing or in our Uh, fellowshipping with one another, all those things that are the worship of God in our meetings together, sometimes can just be we're doing it because we're told to, they're the rules of men. Instead of this free expression of love love and life uh, bursting out of us, uh, bubbling out of our hearts and minds, uh, up towards the throne of God. And so worship is not any attitude or action that gives God first place in our lives. Through our circumstances, our situations, we we express that He is worthy. He, we talk about we sing and talk about and express and enjoy His worship, His attributes, His actions, who He is, what He's done. He's, we praise Him for His deeds, uh, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He's gonna do into the future. And we are to worship God on earth like they do in heaven. Jesus told us to pray that in Matthew chapter 5. And how do they worship God in heaven? Well, you have a look at what happens in uh, the book of Revelation. So, therefore, worship, if it's going to be, and I want to come back to this about heaven, but if worship's going to be, we, we to say that we, we want to worship God as it is in heaven, well, then there has to be a prophetic element, an edge. Uh, to our worship here on earth it's like god breaking in the future breaking into the present and that is part of the kingdom so some of the most beautiful expressions of that worship are found uh, in the book of revelation i'm just gonna I, I wish i could read these to you but i'll just I'll, I'll give you the scriptures and I'll just some of those things that are highlighted in there that i would have summarized revelation chapter 4 verses 8 through to 11 here it's, it's worship expressing God's holiness, God's power, and God's glory. In Revelation 5, the 8th to the 14th verse, it's worship expressing, once again, a prayer, salvation, and Jesus. In Revelation 7, 10 to 17, now I want you please to read this for yourself. But in, in Revelation 7, 10 to 17, worship emphasizing salvation, nations, deliverance. In Revelation 11, verses 16 to 19, worship emphasizing once again God's power, His authority, His rule and reign. Revelation 15, verses 1 to 4 and verse 6, uh, once again worship emphasizing power, God's power, the nations, His righteous acts, His glory. So, just in that little part, we see that sometimes they stand before God, sometimes they fall on their faces. Sometimes they're singing, sometimes they're shouting, other times they're quiet, but they serve him day and night, never ending. And God wants that to become like it is in heaven down here on earth, uh, where we're worshipping God from our hearts all day, not only in meetings, but we're talking about meetings for now. So link this with the Old Testament expressions of worship. And I want to do this uh, by just reading a few of the verses in the Old Testament. I want to start by Psalm, well, Psalm 149, uh, verses 1 through to 9. That'll, if you would read those for yourself, but I've highlighted a few things here. In Psalm 149, the first nine, those nine verses, it says that we are to sing, we are to praise, we are to rejoice, to be glad with dancing, make uh, music, um, inflict vengeance on enemies, punishment, and to carry out the sentence written about them. Now, what what I the, what I'm trying to say is there are expressions of worship here. And when we begin to do it that way, we actually need to understand that we are inflicting vengeance. We're bringing down. We're binding. We're toppling. We're we're bringing in the victory of Christ into our situations, into our meetings, and into beyond that into our cities and nations. Psalm 150. You uh, you. Uh, Maybe I should just read that for you. Uh, It is just such a wonderful song. And it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and with dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with the clash of the cymbals. praising Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So here we see something of what we're talking about when we're talking about worshipping God. I just... I want to try and include this in this little part just quickly and i'm just looking at the time to see if i can quickly squeeze this in before i move on to point the next point as to why we gather uh, the third point but part of worship includes sacrifice what uh, what jesus was teaching all of the old testament offerings were sacrifice the new testament teaches that are still sacrifices jesus has fulfilled them all everything that The Old Testament stood for, Jesus has fulfilled on our behalf, but the New Testament teaches that there's still some sacrifices that believers must must offer, and I just want to uh, read a few of those to you. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this, I urge you, brethren, in the beauty of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. So... Worship is sacrificing, bringing myself and saying, "God, I'm yours, to lock, stock, and barrel, from the top of my head to the tips of my toes, everything about me. I, I, I want to worship you with it. I offer you my my body as a living sacrifice." Right? Philippians chapter two, verse seventeen says, "I'm being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice of this of service, um, coming from your faith." So, there's a sacrifice where we offer ourselves for service, to serve God in every possible way as a drink offering. And then we see in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, where uh, he, he, Paul says this, the gifts you sent, he thanks them for the gifts you sent. These gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So financial assistance, financial uh, assistance, being available to help. These things are sacrifices of worship and praise to God. In Hebrews chapter 12, 13, verse 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. In Hebrews 13:16 it says, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So doing good, helping others, speaking out God's words, singing and worshipping and declaring praises to God. All of these are the sacrifices. And then it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that we are to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Spiritual sacrifices. In Romans 15, 16, it, 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 talks, uh, it, it talks about um, priestly duty of priests. Preaching the gospel. So all of these are acts of sacrifice that are all acts of worship. I hope that makes sense. I'm feeling like I'm trying to do this too quickly, but I want to move on because I'd just like to get this one more point in at least um, on the third uh, the third reason as to why we, we attend meetings. Something that's recorded in the Word of God, that's on the hearts of God. And that is not only are oh, we there to to encounter jesus and not only are you there to worship god in everything that takes place in our meetings but we're also there to hear from god the revelation chapter 2 uh, and chapter th- uh, 3 and etc talks so much about he that has ears to hear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches you can see that revelation two seventeen, verse, chapter 2 verse 7 11 17 29 revelation 3 verse 6 verse 13 verse 22 All of these are speaking, it says that God is a communicating, a speaking God. God has something to say to us. And when we come together in the meetings, God wants us to actually hear his voice. And so we need to develop a listening ear. In Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 21, I'm just highlighting one part here. Jesus says this, consider how you hear or how you listen. How? can't just take things lightly. We can't be distracted. We need to... Uh, uh, how are we listening? How are we interpreting what he's saying? Are we interpreting through all the hurts in our hearts? Are we interpreting through all the abuses we've... Or are we uh, listening? This is my father speaking to me. And he has something to say to me. And the something is going to be life transforming and it's going to bring solutions to my life. I'll touch that again in the next session. And then also in John chapter 12, verses 47 to 48, Jesus talks again about how we listen. Be careful. And in Mark 4, 24, he says, consider not only carefully how you, which is what, how you listen, Luke chapter 8, but in Mark chapter uh, chapter 4, he says, what you hear. Don't take it lightly. Don't just fob it off. What God says needs to be embraced and with the help of the Holy Spirit needs to be Transforming our lives as we obey Him, cooperate with Him, and move forward. And so, God speaks to us. How do we hear from God? We hear, first of all, through the preaching and the teaching. In Acts chapter 20, verse 27, Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Our preaching, the preachers should be sharing God's word with us, and we need to be hearing from God what the preachers are bringing to us. Why? Because those preachers have been listening, have been waiting in God's presence, have been waiting upon God, have been asking God to help them to give have words that are needed at this time in the life of the church we're leading. And you've got to learn to hear what God is saying. And and, and when we begin to come to a meeting with that hard attitude, we begin to see how to cope with life's problems. They are Things that come from the preaching of the Word of God that will help people to look, deal with uh, life's problems. And that's why God has given us teachers and preachers. Uh, we need them and we need to hear what God has to say. We also, not only through the preaching, but we hear God through the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why it's so important that we use and make room for and allow the Holy Spirit to operate through all of the priests, all of the believers. In actual fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and I'll just remind you of this again, says this that the phalaosis or the panorosis of the Holy Spirit is given to every man to profit therewithal. And it says later on in that seventh verse that 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 word means the proof that God is there, the shining, the evidence that God's in our midst is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we must ask God to help us as a church to move into being able to hear through the gifts of the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through to 5, verse 26, once again, it's through the gifts of the Spirit. And then we hear God also through psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms. You'll read that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. And then again, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, which I'm just going to read a little of that to you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As you listen to this, teach... And admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts, you see that even in the singing of psalms and hymns, um, when we are spiritual, spirit controlled, this joy is a natural expression of being spiritual, spirit controlled. And this teaching that comes through when we're spirit-controlled. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I'm hoping you'll ask God to give you insight into what is being said through His Word there. That singing spiritual songs and psalms, etc., with gratitude in our hearts, releases into the hearts of believers things that help them to grow and to be edified. Let the Word of Christ dwell. That's to live freely, be at home with, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so out of that word that's dwelling within us, that we admonish and teach one another with all wisdom. So, Psalms, that can include Old Testament, the Psalms that we read of in the book of Psalms and elsewhere throughout the word of God. There's Psalms all over. But hymns, which are songs of praise and spiritual songs, all of these have to be, expressions of Bible truth, and all of them need to be spontaneous. And then we can hear from God also through the prophets, like Paul did from Agabus, etc. The prophets speaking. And then we hear from God through conversations while we just in fellowship with one another. That's why God wants us to not just have fellowship with the back of someone's head, but in, an encounter, in something real, koinonia, deep. Love, commitment, covenantal blessing where we receive from one another just through conversation. So many times my life's been touched by believers just sharing in conversation with me. God says, that's the answer you've been asking for, isn't it? You've been asking the question. You're asking for some guidance. There's an answer. Through the contributions, another way that God speaks to us is through the contributions, the gifts of aid, the help given by one believer to another, uh, saying that God and all of those things as we... We give, we help, we make available. Like they did in the book of Acts in that second chapter, verse 47, etc. And again in Acts chapter uh, 4, you'll see the same thing. I think it's verse 42 there as well. But all of those things, expression of giving and loving and being available, are really saying to believers, God cares for you. It's God speaking to them through those gifts. You can look at one Corinthians chapter sixteen verses one to four, two Corinthians chapter eight verses one from verse one right through to uh, chapter nine verse fifteen. So all of these things tell us that God cares for us, that He's He understands us, and He has solutions for our for our problems. Those are just three of a few things I, I believe we need to see. God are these things still taking place in our meetings, or have we come with the wrong motives? Have some things beginning to just slip and slide? And we're no longer doing it like the Bible wants us to. So help us by the Spirit of God to do that in accordance with the Word of God. And I ask that with these believers, Father, that listen today, for all of their churches. And I ask it in Jesus' name with praise and thanksgiving for you so good to us all. Thank you that we belong to you and you are ours, our portion. In Jesus' name, amen.